The Well is a gospel-centered church located in Boulder, Colorado. We exist to proclaim the gospel and make disciples. For more information about The Well, please visit us online at www.boulderwell.org. Last year I was at a, was it last year, John? You guys always love it when I share this story. I didn't really love it that much when it happened. So, but the idea is that uh, I was at a, uh, like a terrorism training in Scotland. And uh, one of the things that they do is they shoot you with a bulletproof vest on. And it hurts like you can't believe. I mean, it hurts. And, and in full disclosure, they're using rubber bullets. But, um, but basically, in order for you to be insured by a certain company, they put you through all these tests, and one of them was, how do you respond to being abducted? And so, of course, I have to go and be abducted. It is kind of crazy to hear myself talk about this out loud. But uh, yes, this is part of the line of work I do. And so it got, it got me thinking. I was like, this is not comfortable to, get, be, to be shot in the chest with a flak jacket on. Okay, In the movies, it looks very different. It's something like, too, too, and they're like, John Woo looking stuff. And it's like, they're still moving. I just, I flinched when they just raised the gun. Then the moment it hit me, I was like acting like a little child and like about to break in tears, but fighting it back because there's all these, you know, special military guys watching me laughing. I'm trying to be tough, but on the inside I was crying. The, The point of this is a bulletproof vest is meant to save your life. Okay, you don't wear it all the time. You, th- you, ve- you wear it very rarely. And it's extremely constricting, and you're in a lot of pain when it happens. A lot of times when it comes to parenting, we think of ourselves as a safety net, but we operate like a harness. Okay? We think of ourselves as a safety net, but we operate like a harness. A safety net is a safeguard against possible hardship or adversity. It's like insurance. Your kids need to know that they're safe with you. They need to know that you're not out to get them. And they also need to know that relational safety occurs with you more than anybody else. When working in L.A., one of the things we had issues around was gangs. And people are always so amazed how quickly people would join a gang especially when they got out of prison or they got in trouble or, or they dropped out of school or got kicked out of school. Why would they join a gang so quick? And it was like, are you kidding me? Immediately, you have a culture of acceptance. Immediately, you have a culture of acceptance. The lesson here is that your children need to first have the culture of acceptance with you so they don't look for it elsewhere. If you're modeling those character qualities that God demonstrates with you and you're demonstrating them to your children, there will be an element of relational safety, loving presence, emotional refuge. And part of that is not micromanaging their lives and their decisions, but rather having that awareness and discernment to interact on things that matter. When they're hurt, you want them to come to you. If you lose your mind over them not 
you know, getting to class on time at school. When there's perfectly good people in place to tell your kids what to do at school, then if they come into a situation where they really, really need you, they might be hesitant to talk to you about it. Okay? When we've done surveys with young adults, and we've asked them, who are the people that you would talk to uh, in cases of drug addiction, uh, unwanted pregnancy, um, sexual abuse, um, rape, um, what we call high-ticket abuse situations, the first person they typically say uh, that they would talk to is either a best friend or a coach. Then it's a priest, a pastor, priest-type person. Um, then it goes to online media support. Point is, there's a lot of steps before they get to mom and dad. That is a culture that should not be present in the church. Our children should see us as those who are stewards of them as treasures, that we can be called upon to support them without losing our minds. And when I say losing our minds, I mean losing our temper, being reactive, being controlled by that baggage. Okay? Being the safety net is we believe that our child's mistakes will lead to growth. We supervise, but we don't oversteer. We let the situation teach the lesson. Like, can I say like what we were talking about? Like having a kid that doesn't eat? Is that a battle that we want to take on? Is that a battle that we want to change the whole house, get everyone in the living room? Okay, son, you're not eating this pizza. We're having a family intervention. Blackjack is very unhappy that you will not be eating his pizza. You know, it's time, energy that could be spent doing something else, whereas you could just take the pizza and be like, hey, you're not going to eat it? All right, I'll save it here for you for when you're hungry. And then walk away, give the situation space. It's only as big a deal as you make it as the leader of the house. Now, when they come back at 8.30 and it's already three minutes past their bedtime, they're like, I'm so hungry. So hungry, I just want an apple. I just want an apple, mom. Oh, I got the pizza right here. Bring the pizza out. I mean, I don't mean to sound mean, but kids tend to eat when they're hungry. They tend to not eat when they're not hungry. And when they're excited about doing things, they get riled up. And when it's time for bed, they're always surprised because somehow they don't remember they did the same thing the night before. <laughs> Somehow they're surprised every night. I don't understand that. Okay. We got to balance protection with dignity, with dignity of risk. Responsing, responding, typo, to each individual's autonomy and self-determination, that dignity piece, to make choices for themselves, even at an early age. Nurture what ideas child can come up with to solve what they need to grow, not what will make us feel better as parents. I would encourage you to try different things, not to replace the timeout, but try some different things to reframe the experience and remove the isolation. We live in a culture that's very critical. I mean, we criticize a lot of things. What would it look like if we spent more time 
exhorting our children, encouraging them to be better than criticizing their short their shortfallings, shortfallings, their failings and shortcomings, shortcomings. Thank you. Most of the time, it's our problem. It's not actually our kids' problem. I mean, think about if you were thinking of asking me about a situation, think about that question and who's having the issue. We are typically. I'm the one who has most of the problems with my kids' behavior. They're okay with it. <laughs> they are okay with it. I had, had a situation this morning where I really had to have awareness and discernment because I specifically asked Asher, I said, did you shut the door to the chicken coop and did you count them and make sure they all were in? He's like, he's 13 now. So overnight from 12, his whole demeanor changes. Now he's more of a swagger kid. He's like, yeah, I did it. I'm like, okay, I don't know if I believe you. Are you sure? But I'm like, okay. He knows that one raccoon can take out the whole flock. Long story short, in the morning I get up early because I'm coming here. I look out the window and I see all these chickens in the yard. I'm thinking, what is going on? And here he comes strolling out of his room. He's like, hey, good morning, Dad. And I want to be like, dude, you lied to me. What? Ugh. All those chickens could have died. But so I, I, I visualized myself doing this and I decided, okay, I'm going to take the breath. I'm going to go low. I'm going to not compete with the EKG. And I'm just going to be like, hey, buddy. So tell me what happened last night, because there are chickens in the yard, and I know they didn't open the door themselves. And he's like, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. I thought I counted them, and I shut the door, and he did. He shut the door, but half of them were out of the coop. <laughs> I didn't want to take away from the teaching moment. And in that one case, it worked out. Okay, like I don't always do it well, but my intention is to do it as best as I can. And so we had a good talk about communicating more clearly about chores. And when he gets to stay up late, I just need to know that he hears me and he does them. So it's important to like supervise, but don't always steer it in the way that I want it to go. And let the situation teach the kids. We don't have time today, but I, there's, think about situations where you learned maybe your most valuable lesson from uh, people other than your parents. A lot of times, our parent, a non-parent, someone there, we have a relationship with like a coach or a minister or like someone in a youth group, um, they don't live with you, so they give you the space naturally to kind of learn lessons and then share and talk about it, Okay. So sometimes because of that, it gives a perception that they are your more, most trusted ally. But really, uh, you're, it's harder with your parents because you're with them all the time. There is no need to toughen up your kids. The world will make kids tough on its own time. Instead, develop relational safety and be a source of that refuge for them to run to when they're scared. Kids could look for relational safety in people, places, things, that are not called by God to be their safety net. God had a plan and a purpose in choosing you to be your child's parent. So no matter how inadequate you feel, how reactive you feel, 
um, what expectations you put on them and then you're disappointed, what expectations they put on you and they're disappointed. God still has a plan. And His plan is always right. And it's, and it's, it's good to know that it's not something you can control. He put you in an unmasterable relationship and teamed you with your spouse without any reservation because he wants you both together to rely on him to love those treasures the best that you can. And loving them does not mean enabling, and it doesn't mean neglecting. It means showing them God. I, I, did, a, I did a search and actually looked into this because I was like, I want to make sure I was right when I said this. Only one time in the last 14 years have we had parents come in and say, we would like counseling because I don't know how to teach them about Jesus. I'm worried about their salvation. We've never had people come in and ask for counseling on how to demonstrate God more in their home. And yet that should be our number one priority. If your kids believe they can't come to you on the little things, they will train their brains to not come to you on the big things. That will become a habit, something that they do that is biological. Like it, Actually, their brain will shift in the way that they see you. And we don't want that to happen. The safety nets equal the relational safety. We talked about loving presence, emotional refuge. Loving presence is the behavior between mom and dad. Attending to those around you from a place of love and acceptance, even when they're challenging when there are challenges and turmoil. Emotional refuge is what the kids see. I'm sorry, I got that backwards. So loving presence is like between us, right? But the emotional refuge is when it's modeled. Like what you were talking about earlier, where it was the respect that they watch you having versus the respect you're telling them to have or having with them. The model that they witness is something they'll absorb more, the image of that. Parents for progress, parent for progress, not perfection. Cultivate, don't criticize. Demonstrate sincerity. And now let's move into our benefits. So by adding these solutions to these three problem areas, your relationship God will constantly intersect your parenting methods, modes, and agendas. You'll grow a more loving environment at home. And as a parent, you'll engage in redemptive conflict which means you'll see that you won't fear it and avoid it, but you'll engage it knowing that there's a lesson to be learned and it will strengthen your relationship. And as a parent, you'll exhibit trust and safety and your kids will reciprocate and experience it and, or exhibit it with you as well. So what's the evidence for modeling your best vertical relationship? How do we know the solution will work? Because you can't take my word for it. Who has Bibles on their tablets or screens or on, on them? Will someone look up Proverbs 22.6? Who's going to do that? Raise your hand. You? Okay. Who, who will look up Revelation 2, 4 through 5? Okay, right there. And Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7? Matt? Okay. So, all right, read Proverbs 22. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not Okay. Revelation? 
It's, yeah, that's right. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, they learned no bond. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your own sin and its plagues from us. Yeah. The main part of that is remind us, even though they're in that passage, they're, the works that they're doing, they're being praised for, they're reminding them, they're saying, uh, Paul's reminding that church, he's saying, remember your first love. And this goes back to our stack, right? Is our vertical relationship with God has got to be, we have to remember our first love before or instead of trying to find that love in our horizontal relationships. Deuteronomy 6. And these words that I commanded you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. This one was so convicting for me. This is the one I was talking about earlier where my dad would start, he would say, okay, we're going to do a Bible study every morning. And he would do like two or three mornings and then he'd forget and so I got to the place where because of that baggage and that experience, I never wanted to start or say I was going to start any Bible studies with the kids. I would simply just be spontaneous, Dad, and just start reading Bible verses. Okay? So my, my, my baggage is controlling the way I interact with my children, not creating trust because of my own junk. Right? So, I mean... I don't spend this kind of time teaching my children about God. I spend this much time working. Like I'm, I, I'm always on my phone. I'm always on my tablet. Um, I'm watching a ton of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, but I'm hugging them while I'm doing it. It's still not God's best. I don't want to strive for a C because I'm afraid of making an F. I want to strive for an A+, plus, the best behavior I can, putting the world second and honoring God first. And that might mean I'm going to be late to a few things. It might mean I'm not going to make as much money. It might mean I'm not going to go um, and be you know, chained to my, uh, my email, my inbox. I don't know. But I know God's plan is not always my plan. In fact, let me correct that. God's plan is so rarely my plan. So the evidence of knowing what matters, Matt 6, 34. Is that right? It shouldn't be Matt, Matthew 6, 24. Well, let's look it up. Who's got that one? Elizabeth? Matthew 6, 24, I believe. No one can be a slave to two masters. And then Philippians 4, 6. Who will look that one up? Okay, it's all you. Colossians 3.1. Okay, in the back. Thank you. Let me know when you got it. Okay. Yeah. So we've got to remember where to put our focus. We've got to know what matters. Um, Philippians 4, 6. Go, yeah. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Awesome. 
Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Awesome. Thank you. All right. We're going to do more of this Bible B. Um, so the evidence of being a safety net, not a harness. The evidence in Scripture is who can look up Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. All right. You got it. Proverbs three twelve. Go on once. John. Oh, okay. Ari, right, you got that one? John, Ephesians. Uh, look up Ephesians 6, 4. And I'll do Colossians 3.21. Okay, let's read the first one. Thank you. All right, Proverbs 3.11. Twelve. Uh, go start at 11 and read 12 too. Mm. Thank you. And then uh, Ephesians 6, John. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Good. Thank you. In the Colossians 3.21, Fathers, again, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. There's a lot of instruction here. When she started unpacking it, I think it's really important to look at Scripture and, and, and receive the message that your understanding is not God's understanding. Put your trust in Him and, and, and try to connect with the understanding that God has that there's more than meets the eye, there's a bigger picture to life and ministry on this earth than just our daily activities, just like fighting battles with our kids. It's much harder to teach them love than it is to teach them how to fight and criticize. All right, here's our conclusion. As a group, we're going to do an exercise where we're going to go back into our groups last time, but it's going to be a little more complicated. You're going to assign a narrator, a spokesperson, and two actors. I want you to, together, you'll prepare an introduction for all of us. You'll prepare a skit, one child, one parent, and then also a conclusion on what you're showing us. Your objective is to demonstrate, your objective if you choose, what's that, Mission Impossible? If you your mission if you choose to accept it. Dun, dun, dun is demonstrate a problem and a solution that you learned today. I want to give you 10 minutes to prepare. You'll have five minutes to present to everybody. Remember, modeling is the best way for us to teach someone, and we're all going to teach, teach each other in this last exercise. Let's get started. Thank you for listening to The Well Podcast. For resources and information on how you can support our mission to proclaim the gospel and make disciples, please visit us online at www.boulderwell.org.